Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 130. Welcome to Positive Productivity Podcast, where we empower our audience to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success, especially in the face of adversity. Listen in as our guests reveal their stories of challenges and hurdles and how they overcame defeat and became triumphant in their endeavors. Let's get motivated and move forward with your host, Kim Sutton. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton. And today I am thrilled to have R. Sean McBride, who is the Chief Innovation Officer of McBride for Business with us. Welcome, Sean. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really looking forward to this. Oh, me too. And listeners, I just have to, before we get into this chat, I just have to let you know how important having marketing any anywhere across any social media platforms, even if it's evergreen marketing, how valuable that can be. Because Sean and I were just discussing before our conversation here, before the recorded section, that it was probably evergreen content on Twitter that actually connected us. So if you, if you have any questions, and sorry, Sean, I'm not trying to give a promo here, but if you have any questions about how to give evergreen content set up, uh, just give me a shout out. And before we even jump in, Sorry, Sean, again, I don't normally go off onto a tangent like this. I'm sure that this episode is going to be full of great content. So I want to make sure that you know that you can get the show notes and the transcript at thecamsutton.com forward slash PP130. But Sean, now that I've taken that big, long detour before getting to you, I would love for you to share your story with the listeners. And thank you again for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I've had a, I've kind of had an interesting journey to get to my my place in business. I, I started life as a uh, I started as an accountant. I studied accounting first and didn't do that for very long. And, and I took a survey course in business law, and I said, yes, that's my direction. I want to be a business lawyer. And then I did what everybody told me to do in law school: get good grades, go work for the big law firm. That's where the opportunities are. And I played the big law firm game for about ten years three different large law firms until I took a look around and I found that most of the people around me weren't happy and I decided I want to do something different. So I started my own law firm, which which has been, great, been a great experience, but initially I was working a lot of hours, so I had to reinvent myself and figure out how to do more in less time. And that's when I kind of opened up a speaking arm and I started doing a lot of business speaking and really helping people find themselves, find what they want to do, and really make plans that work. Everything I do centers around helping people build or execute plans to make their business and their lives do what they want to do. So I've, I've had a very interesting journey through the career world, and it's led me to this point of helping people really execute their plans, making their private businesses stand over time, and helping business owners do what they want to do with their lives. It's, it's been very it's been very fun. I. I'm just thinking about your business brain and the education that you received up till now. And I'm just thinking, wow. I mean, I thought it was hard enough to go through one program at school and mine was even in the artistic side. So the fact that you've gone through and become a CPA and then an attorney. Wow, Sean. You know, and the interesting thing is too, you talk about the artistic side and for so long, you know, I thought uh, trained as a CPA, then trained as attorney or as a year logical, logical, logical. But, you know, as I became a business owner, it allowed me to unlock the creative and artistic side of my mind, which 
you know, more and more, I believe all of us have it. Some, some of us just aren't using those parts of our brains enough or we haven't let them flourish and develop. And, uh, that, that part of me has come later in, in life. And it's been, it's been, it's been a great thing. It's so fun and interesting to have all of that working together. Are you still practicing law? I do. I still work with clients, um, negotiate mergers, partnership agreements, uh, corporate transactions. I still do all of that kind of stuff, uh, form companies. And then I also implement the legal structures to make their companies last. So I, I still see a fair amount of legal work come across my desk. But I also go out and help people start from the beginning of not only, okay, so you want, you want to build a company, but why do you want to build a company? What do you want your life to look like? How do you want to interconnect all your pieces? That, that's, that's become an interesting part is taking a step before even you form the company. What do you want your life to look like? What, what are your missions and goals in business? I love that. And there's so many people who don't realize that. I have to jump back, though, to when you were in big law firms. What would you say was the number one reason that a lot of your coworkers even got into law in the first place? You know, there was there was varied reasons. Um, some people got in because they really wanted to serve a public interest. They wanted to better society, and, and those people did that. Some people went in there because they heard it was a great, stable career, which changed a lot. You know, the, the world has been changing, and the legal profession is not nearly as stable as what the sitcoms or what the historical people would have you think. You know, there's a lot of transition going on in this industry, and it's causing innovation. It's causing change. But a lot of people went in for those kind of reasons. A lot of people thought, oh, yeah, you can go and be a lawyer. You get this education. You make good money on the other end. And sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. It's not a guaranteed thing. Um, and the interesting part, too, of being a lawyer, uh, you, you look over sometimes and you look at people who didn't nearly do as much education as me but but did things that they were passionate about. They're making great incomes too, and, and I'm a strong proponent of people following their passion and not necessarily just doing something because it's because it's profitable or because it seems the easy way to make money. Really do what you love, and the money will follow. I love how you said making an impact and, and how you talk about the passion. And I know Hollywood has really glamorized the story a bit, but uh, the first thing that comes to mind is Aaron Brockovich and when you're talking about, you know, people who don't have as much education, I mean, yeah, yeah, there's, there's an example. And I, I believe if I'm not mistaken, and I know I'm bringing movies into our podcast, but uh, I mean, she wasn't educated in law. Right. Exactly. You know, and you know, that's, and you do occasionally see those cases. You'll see, you know, that person defending themselves in a criminal trial or that person following that mission that figures out how to get it done. I mean, so much of the legal system, fortunately or unfortunately, is structure. And that's a lot of what, you know, a good lawyer hopefully is adding creative thought and innovation and really helping you make your case and present your case. But part two of what is there is just this, this complex, convoluted structure of how do you do things, which is very difficult for somebody on the outside. And the lawyers get trained in and they think about second nature. But but good, smart people can work through that as well. It just takes a little bit longer to go through it the first time because you're not familiar with this unusually structured system. So after somebody figures out what their passion is and they decided that they want to start a business that goes around it, what would you say would be the first legal step that they should really consider? Well, you know, once you have that vision and you know what you want to do, then you then you're kind of working on your plan. And that's 
then that first legal step is going to vary depending on the nature of the business. If it's a personal service company and you're doing all the work yourself, you know, a lot of some lawyers will tell you go out and form a, a limited liability company or a corporation no matter what. And that may not be necessary for that kind of company. You may you may just get a good insurance policy. Uh, if you have partners, you certainly want to get a partnership agreement among the partners to understand how you're going to divide the profits and how you're going to develop things. If you have a piece of technology, you may want agreements to protect your uh, know-how or what you're going to be discussing with your potential partners and investors and have confidentiality agreements before you even form a company. So which step comes first depends a little bit on sort of where are you and where are you headed with the business. So it, it's a little different for everybody depending on the nature of their business. I love the fact that you just brought up getting uh, and becoming an LLP or an LLC or, or getting insurance because that was not something that I had thought of when starting, when initially starting the business. But yeah. we never know what type of clients as service providers. And I know that some of the listeners aren't, you know, service providers. They might be an e-commerce or, or what have you, but yeah, and, I mean, and we don't know. There's risks there. You don't know who your customers are, you know, and, and some people are, are lawsuit happy, you know, and e-commerce, you know, if you're moving a product through the stream of commerce, you potentially have liability there. Now, maybe you can push that liability up to the person that sold the product to you through a lawsuit, but, you know, you're, you're in the chain of lawsuits that could be exposed if somebody gets hurt by that product. Um, so there's exposure out there, you know, and people may not like your advice as a, as a, you know, as a consultant or as a person who's given a service business. So you want to be doing, you got to look for the possibility of being sued because when you're a business owner, if you don't set up that company and you don't have the insurance, your personal assets are on the line. And that's, you know, that's the last thing you want to do. I mean, it's, it's bad enough if you have a company that doesn't go well like you hope, but you certainly don't want to lose your personal assets in the process of having a business disruption. Oh, absolutely. And I and I didn't realize that actually uh until after I had converted into an LLP. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was I'm an Infusionsoft certified partner and I understand can spam laws. I mean, that's part of what I do. I need to understand about, you know, opt-ins and all of that. And a client didn't like how I told her I wouldn't put in contacts that were bought. But I mean, that's it's my wallet on the line as much as hers exactly uh so she ended up um letting me go and then suing me because i because i wouldn't do it yeah it, it, it didn't go through it didn't work in her favor but i'm not going to jeopardize my myself and my family over over contacts that were bought i mean that's a if you're for listeners if you put somebody into your email marketing system that's that could be up to a $25,000 fine especially if you are in Canada i mean it's really it's much more steep up there so just be really careful uh, Sean so you you opened your law firm and then you started a speaking business i would look and then and then a strategy firm and it just keeps on going on so yeah, that... love to hear more about that journey yeah, they're they're sort of interconnected. I mean, as I as I spoke as a lawyer, and was invited to speak to groups, my message morphed. It was interesting the other night because I got a Q and A during one of my presentations, and one of the one of the people I was speaking to is one of the great things about speaking is you get to you get to work with motivated people in your audience. And I had a I had somebody in my audience asked me during Q and A like, 
you know, how did you end up doing all this visionary work and doing all this planning work? Well, I started out speaking of very technical legal topics. You know, how do you protect yourself from liability as a business owner? How do you bring in investors safely? How do you do these kinds of things? Very, very technical legal stuff. But, you know, I kind of started working backwards. That's the protecting yourself uh, from legal liability. But you also need to have a plan. What are you doing with your business? How are you growing your business? That's a prior step. And if you're going to do the protection well, you need to have a good plan in place. That started moving me more towards talking about people, about their plans, and really what are you trying to do and what's going on in your business. And then as I got to that step, I started realizing there was one more step before that that was critical that I that I at that point in my career was not uh, addressing with my clients, which was what is your vision? What is your dream? What do you want to do with your business? So as I started speaking more, I started moving more and more through this process from not just how do you protect this company you want to why do you want this company? How do you want your life to look? How do you want to interconnect these pieces? And so that was my journey as a speaker, and that led me to do different stages and to get in front of bigger audiences and do some national and regional conferences and events like that and corporate training. And so that, in turn, led to people contacting me not just for legal work, can you put together my LLC agreement, can you draft my partnership agreement, but people started asking, you know, can you help me build my strategy? Can you make me help me put the right people together on my team so that my company lasts if something happens to me? How do I make this partnership agreement really work? So it, it morphed over time. It was really a mixture of who I was and what my expertise was and what I was good at and what I liked doing and clients and audiences telling me what they needed or what they what 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 they were struggling with. I would love to know how it makes you feel when you hear that you've helped somebody. It feels amazing, you know, and more and more that's happening. You know, as I've unleashed this and I've started being more myself and following my passion and doing the things that I'm good at and sharing my knowledge and my message, you know, people come up to me and they're like, you know, your speech caused me to feel like I can be more bold. I can try new things in life. I can do a new direction. I feel like I'm empowered to open my new business. Um, I've had people that are senior to me say that they look to me as a mentor because I'm guiding them on how to really follow a life and a vision they love. And, you know, it's it just feels so good to be touching people in the world and opening up the possibilities. Because I, I think a lot of us get struck caught into structures, you know, corporate structures, uh, things that people have told us are true, the way things have always been done. People keep thinking this way rather than thinking outside the box of what can I do? What should I do? How do I want my life to look like? So I, I get to bring that message to people and not everybody it connects with, but a lot of people I speak to, they make that flash moment and they're like, yeah, I can do something different in my life. I can think differently. I can do something bigger. And that just alters the course of their world. If you could go back before you were being trained as a CPA and tell yourself to change or not to change, would you change anything about how you lived your life? You know, I part of me says no because everything's led to this moment and this being in this place and having this message and being able to convey this message to people. But part of me says, I wish, you know, 20 years ago I had known that I could be more deliberate and that I didn't have to follow 
established structures to my career and my life. If I could have known 20 years ago that, you know, I create my value added, I make an offering that people can utilize and can benefit from, and I get paid for that. I don't have to go sit into some box that somebody else said, you be my accountant, you be my corporate lawyer at a big law firm, and this is what big law firm corporate lawyers do. I wish I had known 20 years ago that it, that I found if I need to find a way to add value to the world and to help others and I would get paid for that, um, it would have altered the direction of my career. I would have started doing more of this type of stuff sooner. Were you swayed a lot then by the you are's instead of knowing the I am? That's right. You know, there are a lot of the you are's, uh, you know, you're good at this. You, you're good at math. You should be an accountant. You're very logical. You should be a lawyer. Uh, you're very organized. You'll be great at a big law firm. You have great grades. You should be a big law firm lawyer. That was definitely the things that were coming at me. And the funny thing is people tell it to you so you think it must be who you are, right? Somebody on the outside saw it and told you that you're this. So you're like, wow, I must be an accountant because people tell me I'm a good accountant and they tell me I'm good at this. Um, and I, I'm good. I mean, I, I passed the CPA exam on the first try, which is not that common. And uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm naturally, I can do it. I'm, I'm, t I'm talented in that area, but it's not my passion or my, or my thing that I really add the most value to the world in. But yes, I listen to the, you are this, you should be this, you should do this, do it like this way because this is how everybody else does it. This is a good path forward rather than saying, you know, find your own path, be yourself and, uh, let let the world catch up to you and let the people that are really your true customers find you. I am going to ask the next, next question out of pure curiosity and listeners who have listened for a while know that I would love to start speaking. My only fear is that I would actually trip onto the stage. Nope. I don't have a fear of speaking. I have a fear of tripping. What would be the first recommendation that you would have for somebody who's looking to get into speaking? I get this question a lot, and it's something I've given a lot of thought to. The first step is just to start start small. Get familiar with the speaking. Understand how how speaking works. I think there's so much people like like you said. I'm scared of tripping on the stage. You know, that's not the only one. You know, I'm afraid I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'm afraid I'm going to get locked up in front of the audience and forget my next segment of my presentation. I'm afraid the PowerPoint's going to freeze up. Uh, you know, we're all speakers. We're all communicators. You know, people don't think much about going into a one-on-one -on -one coffee, but you're probably doing that on a regular basis. You know, you're sitting down with people at a networking lunch or you're going to have coffee with somebody and, and you're speaking, you're communicating who you are. It's just, it becomes a different format when you get control of the room and you get to set the agenda for, you know, whatever the duration is, 20 minutes or an hour or two hours. It's a different dynamic. But you're still communicating. You're still speaking. And you're speaking already in your life. Now you just need to get familiar with this new format. So I'd say start small. You know, go talk to local civic organizations. Go speak to a local networking lunch. Learn that there's no real mystery to speaking. Uh, it is just like other communications. Now, there are certain skills you can pick up along the way and certain enhancements you can do to be a more effective speaker, but you can start layering those in once you start 
once you break that ice of knowing that it's not something magical, it's not something impossible, it's just another form of communication. Now, I know you're about to start, or you are working on a new project, which I'm going to ask you to share in just a moment. But before you share that, I have to ask, are you an introvert or an extrovert? You know, I think I'm an extrovert, but I was I, for so long in my life, I treated myself as an introvert. And I didn't know that I had that. I'm very comfortable in front of an audience. I'm very comfortable revealing myself now. And I do during my presentations. You know, I'll talk about, I often talk about my failures in business, the things that have gone wrong. But it took a long time. And that was part of that familiarity, you know, knowing what happens with the dynamic of an audience. And, in a lot of ways, it's actually better to address the issues before they come up. So I will talk about the fact that I've had struggles. I've had plans go poorly in business. I've learned from not being the best possible advisor to my clients early in my career. You know, I didn't have a holistic view of business. And I, there's many clients I did great legal work for, but I didn't give them the right overall advice because I didn't see the big picture. Um, and I, I talk about this stuff openly now. And that allows me to break the ice with people and people understand that I'm human and I'm one of them and that we're all fragile and we all make mistakes. And so um, that's part of part of the journey, you know, is, is being able to just realize that we, we all are different. We all do things differently and we've all made mistakes um, and we make that human connection. That's one of the great things about the speaking. So you actually just segued really well because I had another question. You've been featured in the Huffington Post, you've been a TEDx speaker, you've been in Wall Street Journal and on CBS radio. As far as human connection goes, what would you say were some of the most important steps that you took in human connection to have opportunities like this? Yeah, you know, most of these connections at some point tied back to a, a human at some point, you know, Huffington Post, you know, writing the article for them, you know, all long chain of event tied back to the personal business contact I had in Dallas that encouraged me to go to a business development program, which led to me meeting the certain people, which led to me submitting that article to Huffington Post and ultimately getting it published. Step, step, step. Um, TEDx, you know, I, I, have, I have a team that works with me at the office to help with the clients and to keep things moving forward. And one of my team members came to me and said, you should talk about women in business. And I hadn't even occurred to me that that should be a topic. But I do a lot with business partnerships and I work a lot with women. And she said, this is a perfect combination. So she put together the proposal for me to speak to the TEDx women, which ultimately led to that. Everything that's kind of broke through in some way, shape or form leads back to some human connection. Somebody I knew, I met, we made a connection. There was a bond. There was a reason why we were talking or doing business together and then some synergy came out of it so um you know we live in a digital age but even with a digital age it's often about that human connection or that person that you know in common in the real world to get you through the noise of all the online digital communication going on so uh, i i highly value my personal connections and talking to other people and building those relationships Sean, my good friend, Chris Worth, who is host of the No Quit Living podcast, has told me time and time again that there is no six points of separation. There's only one. Do you agree or disagree? Yeah, it may or may not be more than one, but it's getting it's getting it's getting low. The numbers are very small. You know, um, 
I think that I think that's changed. You know, at one point it may have been six. Now I would maybe say three or four because we're not that far apart from others. It's surprising, you know. There was a there's a well-regarded speaker out there um, who I who I've you know kind of admired for some time. Uh, a guy named Simon Sinek. He did a great TED talk on Start with Why. And you know, it's always just been in the back of my head that I like his work and. Uh, the other day I'm talking to somebody and he, yeah, that person happens to be friends with Simon Sinek. So I, I'm, I'm one step away from, from him now. Um, and I don't know who else is out there that I'm one or two steps away, but more and more, especially as my network has expanded, it's usually one or two steps. I'm not that far away from most people if I need to meet them. So that's always really fascinating to me when I'm looking on LinkedIn, when I look up somebody that I'm not connected to yet, mm-hmm. usually it really is only their second I don't even know if LinkedIn shows third anymore actually they do but most of the time it is second I think I've just gotten so used to seeing the twos that I've forgotten that threes or fours could be out there yeah and it's just you know as as your network builds particularly you know and then these people get closer and closer so we're not that far apart we're all interconnected in this world you know and we're all now we're all communicating with each other and encountering each other um, over over time, you know, I have, I have a friend of mine, and it was very interesting. We randomly met at a party years and years ago. We've been good friends ever since, and I, we got talking one time after we met at that party, and there were like five or six other events where we were probably within an hour or two of of meeting each other, you know, within the year prior to the day we met. Because we just started comparing notes. Oh, I was at this place on this. Oh, I was at that same place around the same time. I was at this place. I was at that same place around the same time. And just amazing how, you know, we might be nearing people. And then now, the other experience I've had a lot lately as my business has expanded is one person will say, you need to meet this person because they'll be strategic for your business. You'll have a lot of synergies. And I might call that person and schedule a call with them. And a, and a couple of weeks later, somebody else is suggesting that I reach out to the same person. So, um, you know, it's one of them deals where it, we're not that far apart. And it's amazing to see these over connections over time and how close we are to each other. Oh, that's so funny. Because that's going back to, to Chris Worth. We actually worked in the same small building in Greenwich, Connecticut at the same time. My office was the only one on my floor. His was the only one on his floor. And our offices were the only two offices in this building. But we never met then. And that was 13 years ago. We didn't wow. meet until last year. Yeah, and now we're collaborating on stuff. Listeners, I don't know if by the time this episode is released, if I'll announce anything, but there's there's awesomeness coming. But yeah, it's just so coincidental, just like you were saying, how things just work out like that. Yes. I would love for you to talk and share with listeners about your 50 state tour. Yes, that's that's my exciting project right now. It's going to take a couple of years to complete, but you know, again, as these synergies come together, these connections come together. I enjoy traveling and I enjoy national business throughout the entire United States and seeing what we can do better and kind of all this is coalesced into what I what I'm calling the 50 state tour of business and I'm going to go to all 50 states in the United States. I'm going to interview at least four businesses in every state. We have four different categories of interviews we're going to do. We're going to really collect information and data about what's working in business, what people are doing right, and what we can do better in the future, uh, and how we can help each other as businesses. So it's going to be a very educational tour. 
should be interesting. It'll call it, it'll create good promotion for those companies that that volunteer to be interviewed, and we'll also collect a great body of knowledge which we can communicate to business owners about what's happening and how we can all do things a little bit better. What are the four areas that you're focusing on? We're going to do partnerships, an area that I'm very passionate about. I like to make business partnerships work, and I like to be realistic about how partnerships work together. We're going to do continuity planning. These are businesses that have put plans in place so that if something happens to the owners or the key management team, that business continues. It will still exist for the employees. That wealth and value will still be there for the families. We're going to do women in business, following up off my TEDx talk, which has kind of become a mini theme in my business, is you know, helping women business owners do the things they do great. So that's one of our categories. And then the final category is going to be empowerment through entrepreneurship. You know, I believe entrepreneurship empowers people to really be who they are. It allows them to build teams of people that are being themselves. And we're looking for very entrepreneurial companies that have created unique cultures or systems or allowed people to really be who they are and express themselves and empower lives through the entrepreneurial process. Oh, that's fabulous. And how – I know you said – I apologize. I forget the exact expression that you used. But how will you be using the interviews that you prepare? Will you be releasing them to the public? Yes, we will. So we're going to – we're 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 behind you on the podcasting world, but we're getting into the podcasting world. So we're going to do podcasts. These interviews will be recorded. They will be released in podcast form. We're also going to do blogs. And eventually, this will become portions of a book. I believe that's going to be part of the end product. This is we're going to get common lessons, and we're going to learn what's going on. So that's going to be articles and books and uh, materials on that. It'll probably be another keynote speech, tying back into my my love of speaking and spreading messages to audiences. I imagine as we learn from what's going on and we see these key themes, uh, we'll be we'll be bringing that message to people of what's happening and what people are doing well in business and what we can all probably benefit from. Oh, I can see a fabulous-looking book in my head already. I can only imagine how inspiring it will be and full of value. Yeah. How can people who are interested in your 50-state tour find out more? If you go to www.mcbride4business, and 4 is spelled out F-O-R, dot com slash 50states, You'll see the landing page for that. And also, if you just go to mcbrideforbusiness.com to the homepage, one of the sliders will take you to the 50-state tour. Uh, and there we have a profile sheet map of the United States, talks about what we're doing for the tour. And there's a couple of buttons there. You can follow the tour if you just want to get updates of what's happening and get some of the podcasts and other materials as they are released. You can follow the tour there, but you can also sign up uh, to be to apply to be interviewed. So if you're interested in being interviewed – you can click the application button. It's a very short form. Uh, submit your company and your idea, and you know we're going to look at these on a rotating basis. The travel is going to be tied to some other travel that I have existing, so we'll be doing the states kind of in a random order. Uh, we may go back to a state more than once, so if your state's already been visited, we may come back again. We may do a second company in a category if there's somebody compelling, so it's going to be an ongoing application process. So if somebody's interested in jumping in, you know, feel free to submit an application and, you know, we'd love to consider it. That sounds so fabulous. And again, listeners, you can find all the links um, and any resources that we've talked about at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP130. I know you just spoke 
I gave a couple links, but where are the best places for listeners to find you online? Uh, McBrideForBusiness.com is my business strategy firm. Um, R. Sean McBride Live, letter R S H A W N McBride Lives. That 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 profiles me as a public speaker, and that really shows what we've been giving to the audiences and the different messages that we've been spreading. And then McBrideAttorneys.com uh, is me as a as as the law firm and the attorney work. And then McBride Book profiles my book Business Blunders, which is a book of lessons we've learned over the years when business owners have made unfortunate mistakes before they hired us as a law firm. We tried to uh, chronicle those things and write them down so to help other people from avoiding those mistakes. Oh, I love that. And I love that you're sharing it because, I mean, I wouldn't call them failures. I love how you call it blunders. I mean, we learned from them and it's nothing to be ashamed of or to hide. And hopefully by sharing, just like you were talking about, we can help others. Yeah. Exactly. That's that's the whole point of all of my business is to get people to the next level. And the more we can learn from each other and avoid mistakes and do things better, uh, the better off we'll be. Sean, I want to thank you so much for being here today. Do you have any last words of advice that you would like to share with listeners? I think number one is think about where you want to be 10 years from now and really make that a very clear picture in your mind. You know, I work with a lot of CEOs and business owners and it's pretty surprising when I ask them about what they want their life to look like in 10 years. A lot of them haven't worked through that exercise, but it's amazing when you have a clear picture of where you're going and what you want to be, you can make very easy decisions about whether things fit in your life, whether they don't fit in your life, whether an opportunity is a good opportunity or not a good opportunity. So I'd say really do the work. This is your life. You have a lot of power. You have a lot of control that you may not realize. Think about what you want to be doing with your time. Where do you want to live? What do you want your family relationships to look like? What do you want to develop? Where do you want to be in 10 years? And start steering to that direction. Hey there, this is Kim Sutton, host of the Positive Productivity Podcast. And I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it and were inspired, I would love to hear your feedback. Please take a moment or two and visit the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or on my website at thekimsutton.com to leave your rating or review. I'd also like to invite you to join the Positive Productivity Book Club and to find out more about my coaching packages by visiting thekimsutton.com. Until the next episode, I hope you have a positive and productive day.